Well, we've all heard about Movember and we've all seen some very dodgy moustaches grown over the years. But have you ever stopped to think about what Movember is really all about and what the charity is aiming to achieve? Well, we're about to find out what lies beneath that luxuriant facial hair here on Dr. Rama. You're listening to Dr. Rama with Steve Robson, bringing you the best of health, medicine and people. My guest today on Dr. Rama uh, is Dr. Zach Seidler, a clinical psychologist, but he has a very interesting role at Movember. Zach, welcome to the podcast. Nice to be here, Steve. Zach, tell me a little bit about yourself. And I know that you had a very interesting childhood that I think will be quite relevant to a lot of people listening to the podcast. I, I thought I was the therapist, Steve. We're, we're starting <laughs> right now. Um, I've got, it's, it's very hard to know where to begin, but so my role currently uh, at November, which I'm very excited about, is our uh, new, uh, you know, 20 years of Movember kind of rolls out and we're looking forward to the next 20. I'm, I'm the global director of men's health research, which is a very broad uh, brushstroke of, of, you know, attempting to look at all of the research that affects 50% of the world's population. Um, it's no small task. Um, but I've, I've been invested in and, you know, deeply passionate about men's health and men's mental health for, for over a decade now. Um, and it started in many ways from from my childhood, as you suggested. My my grandmother grew up really close to Sigmund Freud in, in Vienna, um, post World War Two, and um, came here. And, and my my dad was a um, GP working in King's Cross in Sydney, um, working with the you know underprivileged with with those who were suffering from heroin addiction and, and homelessness. Um, and I worked as a as a young lad uh in methadone clinics as a uh as, as a receptionist on a saturday morning because that's you know the what a 14 year old kid should be doing obviously and um i really learned a lot about myself and about the world on those uh days with my dad and watching him treat you know every man and his dog in in, in a really really um respect uh based manner he he was you know he didn't discern um you know, your value based on where you'd come from or what you looked like. He was so, um, you know, focused on just giving people the best care. And so that those stories that I witnessed um, in that waiting room, really, um, that I saw uh, him engage with, with, you know, the most colourful members of our society kind of gave me a, a drive and a love for, for people and for characters. And um, from then on, I was like, I don't want to do law I uh, didn't really have a science background and psychology felt like the, the best middle ground there. And so I um, studied for 10 years straight, um, which is not that much to, to many of your listeners as, as medicos, but uh, I went through master's and PhD and, and um, really focusing on men's mental health and, and depression and suicide and um, ended up at Movember trying to answer these very hairy questions as we, as we describe them um, because they are complex and they, um, you know, really do not discriminate. I'm still trying to get my head around a 14-year-old helping their dad, and I think your dad was a, a GP, is that right? Yep. Yeah. Helping your dad at a methadone clinic and dealing with, with people who really had serious problems with addiction and I would imagine not great social circumstances a lot of the time. So your mates were probably out kicking a football around or something like that. 
and you're working at a methadone clinic. I mean, how, how did that play with your friends at the time? Well, it meant that come Monday morning, I had some damn good stories, which was which was the best uh, part of my my weekend. Um, but what what it what it meant for me as a kid was that it you know I'm very lucky to have grown up with with great privilege and to have you know gone to a, a good school and then be able to go to university and, and other stuff. And it it actually gave me an understanding, I think, of that privilege. It gave me an understanding of of what I had and where I came from. It put everything into perspective, but also it made it very clear how quickly things can change. Um, I witnessed lawyers and taxi drivers and teachers and, you know, you name it. It didn't matter the the profession, white collar, blue collar. I was seeing people who had stumbled into addiction. That's really how how I saw it as a kid. And I was like, wait a second, these people don't look like I thought they would. Um, and so that kind of has, has kind of, you know, really sat with me moving forward um, in, in my work with, with men in, in clinical practice as well, which is that really you never know what is, what is hiding behind that mask. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we spoke about when we spoke the other day was uh, around young people today. So obviously you had quite a unique experience as a young person yourself, but I think you've done quite a lot of work with young people, young men who are looking to, I guess, find a sense of masculinity and what it means to be a young man these days. Have you have you got some thoughts on that? Plenty of thoughts. So it, it's kind of the zeitgeist. This is the moment that we're in. This is what everyone is is talking about. You know, toxic masculinity is a term that's bandied around left, right, and centre. The likes of Andrew Tate and Jordan Peterson are, are spoken about seemingly in every conversation I'm I'm in, um, but when it comes down to it, we're really lucky in November because we take a unique stance here. We're not we're not looking for alarmist headlines. We're looking for health outcomes. We're looking to understand why young men are slipping through the cracks. You don't need to look very far beyond health and education outcomes and employment outcomes now to know that within a decade we're going to have serious, serious issues for young men in, in our society. We already do now, but it's only trending downwards when you look at suicide rates when you look at uh, you know risk-taking behavior and more broadly when you start to look at uh, you know suspension expulsion lack of um, you know graduation from university there you know the boys are not all right and so I, I think that um, what we're trying to do is understand in online spaces for instance like TikTok and, and Twitter and, and Reddit what are young men seeking what are they doing on these platforms uh, rather than going, oh, you need to get off. You sh- you should stop gaming. You should stop doing all of this. This you know this this kind of infantilizing of young men is really and fragilizing. Is not useful. We need to listen to them. We need to seek out their experiences and go. What does masculinity mean to you? What type of role models do you need? What is not working for you? Because they are. I can tell you, having done hundreds of qualitative interviews with young men, they are feeling shamed, they are feeling distanced, and they are angry because they do not feel a part of the conversation. They are spoken at, they are not spoken with or to. And that's what we're trying to do at Movember is engage with those disenfranchised and disillusioned young guys. It's really a very, very different world. And and I'm probably showing my age here, Zach, but uh, none of these temptations were around when I was a kid. Um, but now we, just with the ubiquity of social media platforms like TikTok and so on, 
I know and I hear that there's very ready availability to young men at pornography online. There are all of these things that just weren't there when I was young and they're clearly shaping um, a new generation of young men. Have you got some thoughts on, I guess, social media and how that has influenced young men's thoughts and and actions and things? So what we're witnessing is... uh something that is kind of strange given the term social media. We did some research looking at um, the role of social media on men across the life course and their their sense of loneliness. And what we found is that middle-aged and older men, uh, actually the longer they spend on social media, the better it is for their sense of social connection because they're using it in a way that is actually, you know, my, my parents and grandparents' uh, age bracket are kind of engaging on, on Facebook to connect with long-lost school friends for instance, whereas what, you know, the, the 12 to 25-year-olds are doing is a very, very passive antisocial type behaviour, which is that the longer they spend on there, the less social connection that they have and the more lonely they feel. And so for young guys um, who are trolling, who are just scrolling through endless, you know, TikTok content, for instance, um, there is a detachment from society uh, you know, we know that the average of, of time that a young guy is spending on TikTok alone for a day is above two hours. So when you start to add this stuff up across platforms, you really begin to understand what is a loneliness epidemic amongst these young guys who may well be, you know, speaking with um, these faceless friends online, but they do not have a sense of quality of connection with others. And it's playing out in, in you know, social and intimate relationships men are dating far less they're extremely worried and and you know stressed out about about their dating lives and about who their friends are and it means that when they are going through stressful times and they're they're down in the dumps they do not have anyone to reach out to and that's of real concern look loneliness is obviously a huge problem and we know that it has health implications that can be quite severe for people but i'm just amazed that you could spend a couple of hours on TikTok. I mean, that's an opportunity cost of other things you you could be doing. That that's really extraordinary. Is this eating into school time, or when are they doing all of this stuff? They, the the thing is, is that it's very easy for us to look at this and be like, do something else. Well, you know, you don't know what you're missing out on. But when they were born with the phone in their hands, it's a really different. They don't know. You know, I get to the point at the end of the day where I'm like, I've been on my phone too much. I have that impulse because I didn't have it once. Whereas they've grown up with this type of, you know, technology around them at all times. They don't understand when enough is enough because it is their their way of communicating, connecting and learning in many ways. So there are benefits there, but it is ruining sleep. There is no doubt about that. It is increasing, um, you know, body dysmorphic eating disorder behavior. We know that that is that is definitely happening for young girls on these uh, on these platforms, um, and and you know we don't need to go into the whole sexual abuse and the the mm-hmm. real deep dark concerns that that come out of this stuff. But really, what what it comes down to is that there is it's an anxiety inducing experience, and what we're trying to understand through research now is where is the Goldilocks moment? How much can you spend gaming? Can you spend on social media? Um, you know, where it's actually going to be beneficial for you because there is a sweet spot, um, but it, it tips over pretty quickly. And the sensation seeking that we have these young men um, looking for, uh, these dopamine hits that they're getting with these with these apps, 
um, is is only going to be writ large when it comes to addiction more broadly from a gambling perspective, from a substance misuse perspective. So I think that the links here, you cannot see this as as an isolated uh, issue. So, Zach, if young men are spending all of this time on social media, on on TikTok, it must affect the quality of of personal relationships. And you've alluded to to loneliness there. But when, when a young man does meet a partner, I mean, it a lot of the social interaction that my generation were used to just isn't there anymore. Does it affect the quality of, of relationships moving forward for young men? I think what we're seeing, and, and I don't like to harp on about gender differences because I think it's a bit of a cul-de-sac. We know that men and women differ, uh, and we seek really at Movember to look at how men differ from one another, you know, this within-group understanding. And so what I, I tend to see is that as they develop into into young men and into adults. What we what we tend to see is is this, um, you know, it's it's not even around mental health literacy specifically. It's more around their their ability to communicate their their wants, needs, and internal experience. And so, instead of having that that ability, that literacy, um, any issue that starts to bubble up explodes in externalizing symptoms. So we're getting a lot of this type of anger, aggression, substance misuse, risk-taking, and that's how we see, you know, the bulk of my research has looked at how depression and anxiety manifest in men. And rather than that internalizing idea of I'm hopeless and I you know, want to lie on the couch and eat ice cream and, and, and cry myself to sleep, it is an explosion. It's an irritability. It's a frustration. Um, and the world does not know how to respond to that. That looks like men behaving badly. You know, but I see it as as men crying out for help in many instances. And so we need to jump on this stuff in a preventative manner to look for what distress, spot the signs of male distress and suicidality as well, um, and understand that in relationships, if this behaviour is happening, there are um, surefire ways to, to, to respond to it in a way that's not going to inflame the situation as well. Zach, it sounds like some absolutely extraordinary work is going on. And I, I will tell you, I'm alarmed hearing all of this. And I, I'd, I'd like to hear from you that there's some hope, that, that it's not just all bad news and that there's some positives out of all of this. Definitely. I am I am a very hope-filled, opt- optimistic young man myself, hopefully still young. And um, there is there is a real sense of community amongst young men, which we shouldn't uh, deem to be, um, you know, this dark underbelly. They are looking out for one another and looking after one another in ways that we can't necessarily fathom, um, but rather in ways that we should be seeking to understand. Um, There is a real sense of camaraderie and togetherness um, amongst young men. Um, and there is an understanding that they are in crisis and they speak about it in those terms as well. Um, and so they are they are more than happy and willing to engage um, if you meet them on their terms where they're at. And so that's what we're trying to do at Movember. And that's what I recommend all of the other health practitioners and organisations seek to do as well is to is to listen and learn rather than um, talk down to this group who who has so much lived experience to offer all of us and young men you know need to be the future and so as a result of that we need to really find a way to embrace engage and empower them in future Zach it is absolutely 
fascinating speaking to you about this and I'm hoping we'll be able to tee up a sort of part two of this at some stage pretty soon. Um, as you know, I've uh, got involved uh, with a November, a Movember, sorry, project uh, this year. I'm very anxious that I'll grow a hopeless moustache. Should I be ashamed of growing a pretty weather-beaten, moth-eaten moustache or is that acceptable to Movember? Finally, the content that everyone asked for. Um, the uh, as, as we always say, whatever, whatever you grow will save a bro, Steve. So we will take... Uh, you know the hair the, the fully hair I've got a Borat moustache you know you can't imagine what I deal with come November it's in my contract that I have to grow one so it's uh it's, it's my partner loves it I can tell you that um you, you, whatever yours, yours is is very intimidating Zach I, have to I appreciate that it gets me stopped at airports so I don't know if that's a beneficial part but I think Steve whatever whatever you grow if it's wispy if it's gray we love it. It's you know, men come in all shapes and sizes, and we want everyone to get out there and 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 you know, grow a mode, but also have those conversations and look after yourself and your mates. Look, it is absolutely fantastic talking to you. This is really important stuff. Movember are doing an incredible job, and it's uh, a real delight to have the opportunity to speak with you. As I said, I'm hoping we'll be able to to speak again. Um, but I want to wish you all the best, and uh, I think maybe uh, as Movember comes up to its 20th birthday, which is in November this year, uh, we might speak again and, and uh, explore some of this stuff again. So I want to thank you for your time this afternoon, Zach. Thanks a lot, Steve. That's Zach Seidler, Dr. Zach Seidler from Movember here on Dr. Rama. And uh, we'll make sure we put some information below the podcast here on how you can get involved in Movember in what is their 20th birthday year on Dr. Rama. You've been listening to Dr. Rama, a podcast produced on Ngunnawal country by the Australian Medical Association. All rights reserved.